Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching, just like the title says. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. I'm also the author of Weird, Crude, Funny and Nude, The Bible Exposed, the very best book that I have ever written. For more information about my book or to see what else I've been up to, go to my website, tomfrench.com.au. And with that, let's get on with the talk. So if you've got your Bibles open, keep them there. Because I want you to look at it. I want you to look at the passage. And I want you to think about what you were thinking when the psalm was read. If you were thinking what I was thinking the first time I read it, I was thinking, don't you hate it when the Bible is wrong? Because you read this passage and there's all these promises in it that you're like, that clearly does not come true. Like this passage sounds like like the 5 a.m. preachers that you hear on Sunday morning who are telling you that if you do all the right things, then you're going to have a, a life of prosperity. Like if you are someone who obeys God, then you are going to have children who are mighty in the land. If you're someone who obeys God, then you are going to be someone whose house is full of wealth and riches. And we know that that's not true because we've met a lot of good Christians and they're not living in mansions that are like full of wealth and riches. And we've met a lot of ministers' kids and there are very few that we can describe as mighty in the land. (laughs) Now, now, so we read this and they say, well, what what do we do then if we read the Bible and it's making us uncomfortable because, because it sounds like that particular prosperity gospel that we don't like and we definitely don't want to do that. And why is the Bible making life difficult for us by giving us all these kind of promises that we're not that keen on? We wish it would just kind of tone it down a little bit. Well, what we need to do is we need to spend a little bit of time looking at the, at the genre of the psalm that we're looking at. Now, the genre of the psalm, if you've paid attention, and you are paying attention last week in chapel, these two psalms go together. Psalm 111 and 112 are like sister psalms. Uh, So both of them are acrostic poems. So they're both, you know, each line starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. uh, And they kind of complement each other. Psalm 111 describes who God is, and Psalm 112 describes who the godly person is. And then you put them together, and you get this kind of you know, this group of psalms, these two psalms that kind of live together. And where Psalm 111 finishes, it finishes by saying this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belong, sorry, to him belongs eternal praise. And then Psalm 112 begins, praise the Lord, blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Now, if you are listening to this and you've ever read Proverbs, then you will know that what Psalm 111 finishes with comes up again and again throughout Proverbs. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then when you read Psalm 112, you might read and go, oh, this sounds a bit like Proverbs because this is a psalm, this is a wisdom psalm. And if this is a psalm of wisdom, then we've got to know how to read wisdom before we understand, know how to understand the promises of this psalm. And so wisdom literature, the way that we understand it, or at least the way you know, I've been taught to understand it and the way I brushed up on it by watching the Bible Project video, uh, the way I've come to figure it out is that wisdom uh, is, 
It's kind of like the difference between uh, climate and weather. There are some things which are like the weather, and some parts of the Bible which we read kind of like the weather, and we want wisdom to be like that. That we want, you know, there to be an equation. Like, if you do this, and then you do this, then this will happen. Like, if you are good to your family, and you pray a lot, uh, then you can be sure that your children will be mighty in the land. That's how it works. And that's how we want the weather to be. Like, we look at our app on our phone, and we say, what's the weather going to be like today? And you say, oh, it's going to be a top of 27, and there's, you know, a chance of a late thunderstorm, about 60%. Uh, okay, great. And it's like, now I know today what I'm going to do is I'm going to wear shorts, and I'm going to wear a T-shirt, and I'm going to take an umbrella with me. And that's good. But then if you go out and you find it's like 15 degrees and it's raining all day and you're freezing cold, then you're like, I'm angry with my app because it's told me the wrong thing. It's promised one thing and given me another. And if we treat wisdom literature like that, we're going to be in trouble. But wisdom literature is a lot more like climate. Uh, Recently, I went to uh, Darwin and everyone told me, they're like, when you go to Darwin, it's going to be hot, it's going to be humid, and every afternoon there's going to be a storm. So I was like, all right, I need to prepare for that. And I went to Darwin, I had my, you know, my humidity clothes ready, and my cyclone pants that my, my f- cousin told me to bring, and I was like, I don't know what cyclone pants are, but I better be prepared for cyclones, but I was ready. And then I got to Darwin, and it, there wasn't a storm every day in the afternoon, and it rained quite a bit, and it was hot and humid most of the time, but one of the days was a bit cold, and it wasn't exactly what people said, but I also wasn't upset that you know, things didn't work out exactly as people said. I knew that I was in the vicinity of things, and I was in the climate of this place where it was going to be hot and humid, and sometimes there'd be storms, but, but it didn't have to be exactly what they said. And wisdom literature is more like that. It's more like you are living in the climate of God's world. And that God has set these laws in the world that if you live this way, then you can, you can generally be sure that things will kind of turn out this way. That if you are someone who loves and obeys God, well, then you can be sure that then good will come from that. You'll have good relationships with your children because you know how to care and love for people. You'll probably do better financially because you'll be someone who is honest and the kind of person who is a good employee. Or you're the kind of person who looks after the, the good gifts that God has given you. So prosperity can follow, but it doesn't mean that it always will, because sometimes things will go differently, because this is the climate and it's not the weather. There are no hard and fast promises in wisdom literature. And so as we look at this, then we need to go, well, what is the climate that it's talking about here? It's the climate of the blessed person. The climate of the person who fears the Lord, and out of that fear comes a blessed life. And so what does it look like to live a blessed life, to be the blessed person? Well, it shows us, and I'm gonna, we're going to look at three things that it shows us. The first thing that it shows us is that the blessed person is someone who takes delight in the Lord's commands. You might have heard people say things like, uh, you don't have to like it, you just have to do it. And that works for some things. Like if the dentist tells you to brush your teeth, you don't have to like it, you just have to do it. You can hate brushing your teeth, but if you brush your teeth, your teeth will still get clean. And if the doctor tells you you need to get a colonoscopy, you definitely don't have to like it, but you do have to do it. And if you do it, your colon will get scoped, and you will, everything will get figured out. You don't have to enjoy it, but it will be fine. But obeying the Lord is not like that. No, we obey the Lord. We can just do it, but their blessing is... 
not just in what you do, but in the enjoyment of doing it, in loving the commands of God and finding delight in what He calls us to do. And so we love the commands of God because we love the God who gives them. Uh, I recently went to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child uh, with my wife, and uh, we, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, I promise, except for two tiny little spoilers, and those spoilers are just about the announcements that happen before the play begins. But you sit, settle down for part one, and, uh, and there's this you know, rumbling of a train that happens all around the theater, and then a voice comes over the speaker and says, welcome to the Hogwarts Express. Please put your phones on, uh, sorry, please turn your phones off, not just on silent, turn them off. We will know if you have done the wrong thing. And please refrain from eating your snacks loudly and respect everyone around you. And I heard that, and I was like, wow, I'm on the Hogwarts Express. <laughs> like, this is great. I am no longer a muggle. I'm on my way to being the greatest wizard of my age. I was very excited, and I was like, I will definitely turn off my phone, and I will definitely not eat my snacks loudly. I will be respectful of everyone around me, because that is what is required of a Hogwarts student. <laughs> and I loved obeying that command. But then, when we came back for part two, things had gone a bit badder in the play. Sorry, that's a spoiler. There is conflict in this play. And... <laughs> And one of the bad characters get, comes on the, the speakers and says, everybody turn off your phones or we will know and there'll be dire consequences if you use your muggle devices. And I was like, ugh, you're trying to tell me what to do. I will not obey you and your love of the dark lord. I will not turn my phone off. I will just put it on silent, and I will eat my snacks moderately loudly, because I do not want to obey. And I, for one, I didn't want to obey the rules, and in fact, I did in the end obey the rules, but I didn't like it, because I didn't like the person who was telling me to do it. But the other person who told me from Hogwarts, I loved it, and I loved doing it because of who told me to do it. And the way that we delight in obeying the laws of God is not by just loving the laws and saying, well, I just really like loving my enemies. You don't just love it because you have to. No, you love it because of who gives you those laws. You love it because it is the God who loves you, the God who loved His enemies. And you love it because you know Him. And so how do you find the blessing of taking delight in the commands of God? You find that blessing by taking delight in the God who gives the commands. And so you would do well to spend more time in Psalm 111 and get to know the God that is described there, and then you will become the person of Psalm 112 as you take delights in the, demands, in the commands of the God who gives them to you. Uh, the next thing that you probably have noticed is that there is a lot of talk about wealth and money in this psalm. And so we see that the blessed person is someone who is generous with what they have. So there is, there is one reference at the beginning where we see that it says that wealth and riches are in their houses, the houses of the blessed person, and their righteousness endures forever. And so we hear that and say, oh no, you know, prosperity gospel, but then we keep reading and we see that there's more to say. It says... It says, good will come to those, this is verse 5, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Uh, and then we see in verse 9, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever, their horn will be lifted high in honor. 
So the blessed person is someone who receives from God, but they receive from God so they can then be generous with what they have been given. And there is blessing and delight in being able to be someone who takes what you have been given by God, takes whatever it is that He has been generous to you with, and is generous with it to other people. And, and gives it. And that's an enjoyable thing to do. That's a fun thing to do. And that is somewhere where you find blessing. I don't know how often you go to grilled. I go to grilled semi-regularly. Uh, and I, I, I quite like the burgers. I feel, you know, like, I feel a little bit bad because they're, you know, like, they're trying to be, like, hipster. But I'm in Melbourne, which is, like, the hipster capital of Australia, so I should eat, like, proper hipster burgers. But they're just too hard to figure out, and grilled makes sense to me. So grilled is fine. And the bit I like most about grilled, though, is not actually the burgers, but the bit where they give you those bottle caps for the community matters, you know that? And then you get the bottle cap, and you go over, and there's, you know, these three uh, kind of, you know, tubs, and each tub represents a different community cause, and you get to choose which bottle cap you're going to put it in, and if you put it in, the one, in one and it gets the most bottle caps, then that community cause gets $300, and the other two community causes only get $100, and you, so you sit there, and you're like, what am I going to give it to? Am I going to give it to the cheerleading trip to the USA, or am I going to give it to the disabled children, or am I going to give it to the soccer club for disabled cheerleaders? And you're like, what am I going to do? And then you, and you spend a lot of time trying to figure out where you're going to put it. And, and then you get to choose, and then you're like, yes, I hope those disabled cheerleading soccer players have a great trip. And then you, you, know, you feel really good about what you're doing. And what you're doing is you're taking a worthless piece of metal and putting it into an arbitrary tub uh, so that you, for an arbitrary competition for, for grilled to seem like they're generous people and they only have to give away $500. But it feels great. Like, it is the most fun because you're getting to give something away and change someone's life a little bit. Well, this is the good things that God has given for us, that he gives us things, he gives us wealth so that we might give it to others. And there is great blessing in being generous, in lending to those who need money lent to them and giving to those who need money given to them. And you might not feel like you're a particularly wealthy person at the moment, but there are other things, if you're not wealthy in money, there are other things that you are wealthy in. You might be wealthy in time, or you might be wealthy in kindness, you might be wealthy in friends, and you can invite people into your friendship groups and share that with others. You might be wealthy in the ability to make friends, and so you can find those people who don't have friends and become their friend. You might be wealthy in compassion. There are all sorts of things God has given you that you can say, how can I share this with others? That my prosperity that God has given me, and whatever it is, might be there for the prosperity of everyone so that they might see the goodness of God as I give from God's good gifts. So that's the second thing that we see about the blessed person. And the third thing we see about the blessed person is that the blessed person doesn't fear. And we see this, uh, it comes up twice. Uh, it says uh, in verse 7, uh, no, let's start in verse 6. It says, uh, Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. This idea that if the blessed person, they don't fear, which seems like a strange you know, thing to say. Like, how can you not fear? 
Well, one thing to note here is at least this proves that the blessed person doesn't have the easy life. Because bad news is going to come, they just don't have to be afraid of the bad news that is coming. And I think often the reason why we fear is we're not actually afraid of the thing that is coming, but we're afraid of what we don't know about. We're afraid of the unknown, and that's what is scary for us. Um, something that I am you know, somewhat famous for, but it's a silly reason to be famous, but I'm somewhat famous for the fact that I am a celiac. And uh, if you search glutard on the internet, I am the number one glutard in the world in pictures, um, which uh, I probably should, that shouldn't be the case, but it is the case. And, uh, and, and for a while, I, was, I couldn't eat you know, wheat and oats and barley and rye. I couldn't do those things that did terrible things to my health, but I didn't know that. And I was getting sick like once a month and then once a week. And I thought that that was just normal. I thought that was the way life was. I was like, look, if, you know, you know, every two weeks you find yourself vomiting and spending three hours on the toilet, that's just what happens to humans. And so I would have this thing that happened to me regularly and it didn't really bother me that much. Like I knew that I would, and I'm hoping that this is okay to say in chapel, but I would do an eggy burp and then after the eggy burp, I'm like, I know, here come the stomach cramps. And then the stomach cramps come, like, I know that I need to be within about, you know, 10 seconds of the toilet now that the, the stomach cramps have come on. And then that would happen, and that would last for a few hours, and then I'd know after a few hours, then it will get better. And so every time it happened, it didn't concern me, and I wasn't afraid because I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew the process we were going to go to, through, and so it was fine, but... These days, sometimes I get a pain like in my intestines that's different from the pain that I got before. And I don't know what it is. And because I don't know what it is, I freak out. I'm like, oh my goodness, my appendix are bursting. I am going to die. People die of burst appendix. How do you know if your appendix is bursting? What, should I call the ambulance? I don't know. I can feel it. And I was like, my wife isn't around. What if, she, what if I die and she finds me dead? She'll be terribly, terribly traumatized. I'm like, what if, what if I die and she doesn't find me for weeks? She'll be even more traumatized. And then what if I don't die, but then, you know, I just have to be, you know, fed through a bag for the rest of my life and my wife has to do that for me. That'll be the worst. And I'm starting to worry about all the things that could happen and then the pain goes away and then I stop thinking about it again. But the, everything there is the fear of the unknown, is what I don't know is going to happen. Now, we have all sorts of fears for things that we don't know about. Like, we don't know if we're going to have, you know, we're going to have jobs for the rest of our lives. We don't know how the economy is going to go. We don't know how our friendships are going to go or how, whether our families are going to, you know, everyone's going to stay alive. No, I can tell you, they're not going to stay alive. And we can be afraid that that is what is coming. We can be afraid of these things. But we don't have to be afraid because the person who doesn't fear is the one who trusts the Lord. And if you trust the Lord, then there is something that you can rely on. You might not know the future, but you know that there is a God and He is trustworthy. And you might not know, you know, what is going to happen to you in two days' time or in ten minutes' time, but you know that you can trust God right now. And so you don't have to be afraid right now because you have a trustworthy God right now. You know that you have a trustworthy God right now because he, he was trustworthy 10 minutes ago and two weeks ago and he was trustworthy 2,000 years ago when he came as his son to live and die and rise again for us. And so if you can trust him right now, then you don't need to be afraid of the future because he will be trustworthy in the future as well. 
And so if we trust Him, we don't need to be afraid. And there is great blessing in being able to face the future as someone who is not afraid. But the question that the wisdom literature brings up for us, really, is does this actually work? Like, you can say all these things, but does it work? Well, the only way that you know if it works is if you can look at someone who's already done it. And the person that we can look at, the person who has had the most fear of the Lord and most delight in His commands, the one who has lived the most blessed life is your friend of mine, Jesus Christ. You knew I was going there, and we have to, because He is the one that these Psalms are both about. Like Psalm 111 is about God, and Psalm 112 is about the godly person, and you put them together and you get Jesus. And so you look at Jesus and say, is Jesus someone who shows us that this works? Well, you see in Jesus that you have a man, a man who has honored God, and a man who has has been generous with all he has. Not just generous with monetary wealth, but generous with himself, who has gone from the riches of heaven to this earth to give everything he has so that we might be made rich because of what he has done for us. And then we see that he is someone who lived without fear and faced the worst thing that could happen to anyone, and he faced it with faith and trust in his God. And when his enemies thought they had won, they saw that, in fact, they had lost. When they thought they had killed him, that is when he defeated death. And he rose again, and his enemies were vexed. And we see that it works. It doesn't work exactly how we think it might when we read this psalm, but when we look at Jesus, we know what it looks like to live the blessed life. And so if you want to live a blessed life, then live like Jesus. And you will become like the person in this psalm. And the great thing about Psalm 111 is that it describes who God is. And then in Psalm 112, a lot of the the things that describe God are applied to the, the godly person who is blessed. And so as you live this blessed life and delight in God's commands and are generous with what you have and trust in God, you will see that you will become more like the God man, Jesus Christ. And you can base your life around that. And then you will see true blessing as you live in the climate of true prosperity, not the fake prosperity that we really, you know, we we are afraid of, but the true prosperity that we see in Jesus. Shape your life on that, and that'll give you the blessed life. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Father God, we thank you that you gave us your word to challenge us, that you gave us your word to call us closer to you, that you gave us your word to show us your son. I pray that you help us to be people who live this blessed life and who see blessing come from living the life that you call us to, that we'll see the joy in following you and becoming more like your son every day. Amen. Well, that was the talk, and I hope it was helpful for you. If you want more talks or to read my blog or order my book or even to book me to speak, remember to go to tomfrench.com.au. It's my home on the internet. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWFrench or on Insta at TWFrench. And don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so that other people might be able to discover it too. Till next time.
Have a good one.